The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. WKNC 88.1 Good evening, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. It's Tuesday, October 20th, and on behalf of the EOT team here at WKNC, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Martha Donestorg. This week, Fionn Tran revives our old Poetry Corner segment with prison poetry from George T. Wilkinson in Central Prison. She reads two poems that he sent to us, Birth of a Revolution and Senseless. An NC State professor is helping lead the maiden voyage of a semester program to the Kakalaki Coast. Environmental scientist Professor D. Winner will bring a group of students to a semester at CMAST, the Center for Marine Sciences and Technology, on Bogue Sound in Moorhead City. It's a hands-on program offered to all majors and is now taking applications for the next semester. Saba Khan tells us more. Jake Winters has a review of the film Turbo Kid, a 2015 Canadian-New Zealand post-apocalyptic action-horror comedy film, and Nick Weaver reviews the newest album from Caravan Palace. And as always, Peter Svizeni brings us the community calendar, and up next, Saif Hassan has the news beyond the headlines. I'm Saif Hassan, and this is your News Beyond the Headlines. A Chinese tourist has died in Hong Kong a day after being beaten up during a so-called forced shopping tour. Operators of such discounted tours try to recoup costs by pressuring tourists to buy goods at selected stores. Police said the victim, 54, intervened when a fellow tourist got into a fight with a tour guide after refusing to buy anything at a jewelry shop. At least four people have been arrested and the Hong Kong Tourist Board expressed regret over the incident. The HKTB has zero tolerance for any act that impacts the hospitable image of Hong Kong, particularly acts of violence, it said in a statement. The victim, a male building contractor from northeast China, was found lying unconscious outside the shop in Kowloon on Monday morning. He tried to mediate in a fight between two women, believed to be the tour leader and one of the tourists, before he and the female tourist were attacked by a group of men who dragged them out onto the street and beat them, police said. The two women, aged 32 and 53, have been arrested along with two men, one a 44-year-old Hong Kong resident and the other a 32-year-old mainlander. Police say they are still searching for the other two suspects. On the mainland, the man's death prompted calls for a boycott to travel to Hong Kong, China has introduced measures aimed at stopping the practice to force shopping, but they have had little effect. Tensions between Hong Kongers and mainland Chinese have been rising as the number of mainland visitors has increased. The visitors have driven up a tourism boom, but local residents blame the mainlanders for pushing up prices. They also resent what they see as coarse behavior such as eating on the subway and blocking pavement with oversized suitcases. China's National Tourism Administration has urged Hong Kong authorities to protect the mainland tourists' rights. An Indian court has found an Uber taxi driver guilty of raping a female passenger last year in Delhi. Shiv Kumar Yadav has also been convicted of criminal intimidation and kidnapping. He has pleaded not guilty. 
A 26-year-old woman was taken to a secluded area and raped after booking a journey home with Uber in December. Delhi later banned Uber and several other web-based taxi firms, accusing them of failing to carry out adequate driver checks. The company apologized for the incident at the time and acknowledged that it must do better. The president of Uber India, Amit Jain, welcomed the incident. Sexual assault is a terrible crime and we're pleased he has now been brought to justice. Safety is a priority for Uber and we've made many improvements in terms of a new technology, enhanced background checks, and better 24-7 customer support. All of this as a result of the lessons we learned from this awful case. The woman had also filed a lawsuit against the service in a U.S. court, which was later handled outside of court. The issue of sexual assault has been high on the agenda in India since a 23-year-old student was gang-raped and murdered on a bus in Delhi in December of 2012. That case prompted global outrage and a tightening of laws on sexual violence. Correspondents say tougher laws have failed to bring down the number of rape cases and a series of high-profile crimes have taken place since then. Last week, there was outrage in the capital after two children were raped on the same day. A week earlier, a child was raped and then slashed with a sharp object and found unconscious near a railway track. I'm Saif Hassan, and this has been your News Beyond the Headlines. Beyond Tron revives our poetry corner with prison poetry from George T. Wilkerson in Central Prison. She reads two poems that he sent to us, Birth of a Revolution and Census. The Birth of a Revolution by George T. Wilkerson Without question, we stand at attention, right hands pressing our chests, as if to keep our hearts in check. Our sincere faces, too serious for fifth graders, are focused on the eastern corner where stars and stripes rise proudly from the floor, a golden eagle as its finial. I pledge allegiance. Our voices began in union, our words and hearts keeping step to the cadence we'd been trained in every day, 180 days a year since kindergarten. To the flag of the United States of America, this emblem of fairness and freedom, how many times had I tiptoed half scared into that corner to secretly rub those themes between my fingers, to feel the silky texture of the American dream. I remember the last semester of last year, I received my first ever C because I couldn't afford the cardboard on which to display my collection of essays and reports, since our welfare was spread too thin. I told the teacher this, my dad told the teacher this, it wouldn't be fair, the teacher said, to make exception. And to the republic for which it stands, my straight A's made a U-turn as that sickle-shaped C killed my onlyest hope of escape, of ever being anyone or anything other than a prisoner. It symbolized the death of a dream, its curve like the screeching of a sharp turn taking place inside. One nation, under God, indivisible. Add to that the night before how my terror caused me to burst through my own front door after nearly being murdered by my father, over nothing. His schizophrenia had beaten us 180 times a year, every year since kindergarten. This culmination gave me the courage to do like my teachers had always said. I called for help. I called the police from my neighbor's phone, and they came to rescue me. They confronted him with my testimony, 
meeting his reckless gaze head-on as he responded, Yeah, I did it. With a comforting hand on my back, the officer on my right looked from him to me and back again, then gently but firmly pushed me forward, saying, Well, you must have done something to deserve it. And back into the lion's den I went, past my father's predatory grin. With liberty and justice for all. Senseless by George T. Wilkerson I've been intimate with prejudice since the instant of my conception. I've seen it wince my mother's cheeks with the memory of other Koreans bludgeoning her unborn children with death threats because my dad was white American. I've heard the slap of slurs sticking to colored skin. I was rubber. They were glue. I've smelled the burning hair odor of discomfort as I waltzed into the room for a job interview. I had sounded white on the telephone. I've touched its twisted face, felt its teeth scrape, the skin from my calloused fists. I've spat globs of nasty off-color curses and tasted the bitterness left lingering on my split lips. Oh yes, I've been intimate with prejudice. We fought and kissed, held hands and threw fists, pat and stabbed each other's backs. But finally, I've had enough of it. An NC State professor is helping lead the maiden voyage of a semester program to the Kakalaki Coast. Environmental Sciences professor Dr. Winner will bring a group of students to a semester at CMAST, the Center for Marine Sciences and Technology, on Bogue Sound in Moorhead City. It's a hands-on program offered to all majors and is now taking applications for the next semester. Saba Khan tells us more. So 20 to 25 NC State undergrads will be chosen to spend next semester, spring 2016, at NC State Center of Marine Sciences and Technology, located on the shoreline of Bogue Sound of Moorhead City, North Carolina. It's called a semester at CMAST. And tonight we have Dr. Winner with us to tell us a little bit more about this program. Hi, uh, Saba. First, I want to thank you for taking the time and interest to allow me to talk a little about the semester at CMAST. The semester at CMAST is, for the first time, an opportunity for undergraduate students to live and study for a whole semester at the Coastal Marine uh, Facility for the university located uh, in Moorhead City, the Center for Marine Sciences and Technology, otherwise known as CMAST. Um, my name is uh, Dr. Winner. I'm the director of the Environmental Sciences Academic Program here at NC State. But I also play several other roles. I'm the chair of the University Energy Council uh, and co-chair of the Campus Environmental Sustainability Team. So I'm well, uh, well invested in the issues of energy, environment, and sustainability here at NC State. I'm also faculty advisor for the Wolfpack Environmental Student Association. Uh, Definitely a great club to check out. <laughs> an association that uh, Saba knows well as um, many, many other students on our, on our campus. So, uh, again, this is the origins of where semester at CMAST has some of its beginnings. Um, the program is something that I've developed with uh, the director of CMAST, Dr. David Eggleston, who is a professor in the Department of Marine, Earth, and Atmospheric Sciences here at NC State. Between the two of us, we've had our oar in the water trying to develop this new, novel, and exciting program, and we're just thrilled to death about it and looking for 
up to 25 of the most interesting kind of students we can take to the coast for a semester. That's great. And I wanted to know, so Dave Ewelson is the director, but he also does research at the Marine Science and Technology facility. How available is his research to the students and how hands-on can they get in with it? Well, uh, that's a great question, Saba. And the answer is that this spring, Dave will be teaching a course in this semester at CMAS program. We've put together uh, five uh, solid courses uh, that students can enroll in, um, along with some options for uh, additional coursework with substituting research or internship credits or taking courses at the Carteret Community College, which is also co-located at the CMAS facility. But Dave um, Eggleston has... Uh, course that he's offering and he'll be teaching it there. It's a course in um, uh, coastal ecology or the ecology of coastal resources and there'll be time to get on boats, there'll be time to be on the beach and there'll be time to be all places in between the beach and the boats and a little bit out of the classroom. So if students are interested in getting out and about a little bit in the spring semester, um, that's an example of a course that will really get them uh, to experience a unique part of North Carolina's precious coastal resources. Wow, that's amazing. And I saw on um, the, cr the curriculum on the website that you have an optional external learning experience, which is where you have, like, the internships, and um, I believe the choices were research and internships. So would those be paid, or would the, that be, like, within the course? Well, students can take uh, up to 18 credits in an academic semester. We've put together five courses, three credits each, for a total of 15 credits. But if, for example, um, one of the courses is oceanography, if a student has already taken oceanography, um, they could elect to uh, take the 12 remaining credits and do an internship or a research project for three credits. And there are a number of courses, uh, course uh, enrollment options for them. For example, ES-496 or ES-498. Those are courses uh, that would allow students to do internships and, and or research. So um, there's a lot of flexibility with what students could choose to do with their, with their coursework. Um, but we do have five solid courses, and I just might run through them quickly. Oceanography, or Introduction to Oceanography, The Ecology of Coastal Resources, um, The Biology of Marine Mammals, um, Marine Fisheries, uh, marine Resource Management and Policy. Now, that's a particularly interesting course. It's being taught by Dr. Lou Daniel. Dr. Daniel is the director of the North Carolina Division of Marine Fisheries. And right now, they're embroiled in a lot of discussions about how to manage the catch of southern flounder between recreational fishermen and commercial fishermen. These are the kinds of instructors that we've put together for this program. They're, they're outstanding, and, and the students will get a firsthand look at the importance of our coastal resources and the challenges of managing them. Sounds like a great experience. I was also wondering what kind of majors are most eligible and like who do you look for when people apply to be a part of this program? Well, um, the best way to get a handle on the uh, complexity of discussions revolving um, uh, the coastal resources is to have uh, not only diverse faculty members teaching, but also a diversity of students in the classroom. So we're looking for freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. We're looking for students from humanities, social sciences, environmental sciences, marine sciences, 
uh, from virtually every department on campus. There's room and opportunity to connect whatever these uh, majors are, whatever a student's major might be. There's a way to connect it to this important issue of North Carolina's coastal resource. That's awesome. I was wondering when you get your certificate, would it be like getting a minor or would it be kind of a concentration with your major? Or how would it benefit kind of your education? This is the maiden voyage for the semester at CMAST, which will be a recurring program available um, in subsequent semesters. And uh, we're in the process now of using these uh, courses, this package of five courses, as a focal area for environmental science students. But um, it also provides the um, exact structure we'd like for creating a minor on the campus for a minor in marine sciences, for example, or a certificate in marine sciences. So we're at the point of of those discussions, but the program is still too new to really have that available for students quite yet. A formal recognition of having completed the program will be in the future, but it's not quite yet available. So when you do complete this program, what, what kind of real-world jobs do you think this would prepare you for? How would you be able to network with other kind of professionals in that same area? Oh, there's so many important reasons why the coastal resources uh, in North Carolina are, are uh, increasing in importance and the challenges of, of dealing with the issues on the coast are, are increasingly complex. So we have uh, already talked about the issue of managing fisheries. Um, we also have the issues of sea level rise and the management of uh, of, of buildings and construction of buildings and, and other real estate investments on the coast, uh, the insurance issues uh, on the coast, the issue of marine mammals and uh, endangered uh, species, the management of, of turtles and, and other endangered species, all provide this really fertile ground for those uh, who want to live and play in North Carolina uh, through their careers to really get a firsthand look and a unique first-hand look at the importance of our coastal resources and how we manage them. This look will be different than the look they would get if they went to the Duke Marine Lab for a semester or if they went to uh, the uh, program at Chapel Hill. Uh, this will be uh, an NC State uh, program reflecting our culture and our interests in engineering, agriculture, forestry, fisheries management, all kinds of policy issues connected to social sciences and the, the sociology and the economics and the economic development of the eastern part of our state, all tightly coupled to understanding coastal resources. Um, just going back to just the school life, when someone gets like, brought into the program, how would the kind of culture of the school life be next semester? Will, will there be maybe like activities or would it be like a study abroad? It's uh, in, in some ways, it's like a mini study abroad. It's a study abroad where students can get off the main campus but not have the expense and some of the risks that are attached to um, going to a foreign or a country or, or a remote place on earth. It's a, it's a way to experience a different part of North Carolina than we find here in the Piedmont. And uh, in that sense, the tuition is the same. So, uh, they're taking NC State courses, so... There's no uh, difference in the tuition. Um, the room and board is going to be available at the Duke Marine Lab, and they're slightly more expensive than similar uh, uh, room and board would be at, uh, at our main campus, but not a lot. And you might expect that it would cost a little more 
to stay at the coast than it does to stay in Raleigh, and, and, and that may prove to be the case. We're still negotiating with what the actual rate will be, but it won't, it'll be close to the rate here on campus. So uh, the culture of what we're going to be doing is to bring NC State costs uh, to the coast. We're going to be giving students credit for NC State courses, many of which uh, will contribute to their major, I believe. Many majors are relevant to these uh, courses. And uh, doing it in a way where students don't spend so much time in the classroom, they get outside, they talk with real people doing real things on the coast, and personalize the way by which they learn about uh, the semester at CBS. That sounds like a really just super valuable experience. Well, I, I just can't tell you how excited I am. I hope maybe some of my enthusiasm carries over. But uh, I would like to get students to apply. And the way they can apply is very, very simple. You can go to the CMAST website, which is CMAST, spelled C-M-A-S-T dot N-C-S-U dot E-D-U. Or they can go to the Environmental Sciences website, which is E-N-V-I dot DASA dot N-C-S-U dot E-D-U. And at our websites, you can find more information, an FAQ list for semester at CMAST. You can also find an application. Applications uh, will be available, and we're taking applications until we get the 25 that we need, uh, that we want, that we hope for, and that we think are going to be the luckiest students uh, at NC State next semester. And uh, the application is very simple to fill out. Just fill it out. If students have any questions at all, just contact me or Dr. Eggleston. We'll be happy to talk with you and try to answer any questions you might have. Yeah, and me anytime. Yeah, don't hesitate because Dr. Winner does know a lot about this program and he would love to explain just anything you guys would want to know. And yeah, it's semester at CMAST in Moorhead City, North Carolina. So they're taking applications. The deadline is October 30th. Well, we're going to take applications till we get the right 25. Just uh, get them in as soon as possible. Once we're full, we're full. Um, and if you want more information, like you said, cmas.ncsu.edu. And thank you so much, Dr. Renner, for coming to talk. Well, it's my pleasure, Saba. Thank you for the invitation to do the interview. Thanks. This is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle, and today I will be giving my review of the 2015 film Turbo Kid. This film premiered at Sundance this year and was put on limited release on August 28th. The year is 1997, the setting of post-apocalyptic wasteland. After a brief introduction to the world, we see a boy scavenging, the brutality of the film coming through early as we are shown heads impaled on poles close to where the boy searches through rubble. Music plays as the boy exits the scene on his bike. The soundtrack of the film is perfect the second you hear the first song. It sets the mood for the various fights and conversations had by the boy and generally enhances the emotion of the story in a way that only music can. Written by the Canadian music duo Limetos, the unique neo-80s sound plays off the story's background in a fitting way. The music was arguably the most enjoyable part of the film. What you are listening to right now is the song No Tomorrow by Limetos, which is one of the many great songs played in the film.
All of the music for the movie is original, meaning it was made specifically for Turbo Kid. The music adds to the feel of the movie and helps the 80s sci-fi style come across more definitively. Another aspect of style that this movie did a solid job of including was costume design and props. There are 80s toys and clothes everywhere. We see the boy fiddle with a Rubik's Cube in the opening scene, and when he falls into a forgotten spaceship, there is a Tesla coil sitting and waiting for him to activate the ship. Turbo Kid himself gets his name and outfit from his favorite comic book. The style of his getup is heavily reminiscent of Speed Racer. The antagonists wear stereotypical bad guy clothes for the 80s. Bad guys with football pads covered with spikes, skulls for masks while carrying saw blades, and hockey sticks for weapons. These are the images that give Turbo Kid the sense that it was created in the imagination of a child. Turbo Kid is a middle schooler's version of Mad Max. The props and clothes bring the film to life, creating a universe that is both outlandish and familiar. The artistic direction of the film is fantastic. With all there is good to say about this film, the thing that keeps this film from going to enjoyable to enthralling is the cliché acting. It feels forced, breaking the illusion all movies try to create. You can tell the actors are pretending. And while the job of an actor is to pretend, the audience is not supposed to realize that in the middle of a film. And while I present this in a negative manner, there is something about this style of acting that fits. If you ever wrote a comic book when you were younger, you have been writing in dumb catchphrases for the hero too. So if this movie really was trying to capture the mindset of a child, they did so even by sacrificing good acting. The movie dances on a very thin wire, and I feel they came close and just fell short. It wasn't sarcastic enough in places where it is obvious the lines are intentionally ridiculous, leaving behind a feeling of awkward cheesiness. I will admit that this idea is extremely hard to pull off. Making something extremely cheesy but then presenting it in a serious yet sarcastic manner is a tough job for an actor. The terrible part about the acting being off in this case is that everything else was on. The setting for the film, the props and costumes, and the music couldn't have been better. Even the straightforward plot fits exactly what this movie was aiming to get across. The plot, while being simple, fits the style of an 80s sci-fi action movie. The hero is presented, we see a distinct bad guy, the hero gets beat up by this bad guy, the hero returns and defeats the bad guy, and the end. You can see every plot turn from a mile away. There is some interesting backstory thrown in, but still it is only a thin veil to a basic story arc. The reason the predictable story is forgivable, even though every movie is essentially a story and this isn't a particularly unique or interesting story, is that the point of this film can be seen as something more than just the story. It was trying to emphasize this style, bringing back a fading style that has long since left popular culture. Turbo Kid, as it is based heavily on the memories of those old enough to remember the 80s, is hard for someone actually born in 1997 to have as deep of a connection to. I can see how it would be extremely enjoyable for someone to look back into some of their memories presented in such a bizarre light. The film is a nostalgic throwback to childhood for those who grew up in the 80s. The film is enjoyable, yet annoying. I wanted to like the film so much based on the appearance of it, but it just couldn't seal the deal for me. The obvious archetypes and forced comedy threw off the strong use of costumes, props, and music. You can rent Turbo Kid on Amazon Prime and iTunes, and I hope that you do. Thank you for tuning into this week's movie review. Feel free to send any suggestions or comments to the email address publicaffairs at wknc.org. I am always glad to hear feedback and opinions. This is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle. Have a good night.
Hello and welcome once again to my review thing. This is Nick Weaver with Eye on the Triangle and today I'm going to be talking about something a little bit different. Usually I do indie rock or daytime rock reviews, but I'm actually taking a break today to talk about the new Caravan Palace album, Random Symbols That Look Like a Robot Face. That's not the actual name. The printed name is several symbols that actually look like a robot face. Go figure. Apparently people are just calling it robot, so that's what I'm going to call it now. So, what genre is this one? A funky little thing called Electro Swing, which is exactly what it sounds like. Swing music combined with electro. If you don't know what swing music is, Google it, because try as I might, I have not yet been able to properly explain it. You'll know it when you hear it. Anywho, it's electro swing. Now, I've been a fan of Caravan Palace for a while. Not sure how I found them, but I know that once I did, I was hooked pretty much immediately. Electro swing as a genre has been around for a while, but as far as I'm concerned, it wasn't legit until these guys came in. Caravan Palace is, in my opinion, the most original and unique electro swing band out there. I've listened to the others, Parav Stellar, Analogic, and a good few others. The only one so far that holds a candle to Caravan Palace is Wax Taylor, and I'm not even definite that he fits the genre. What sets these guys apart? Well, for one, all of their music is 90% original. There's very little, if any, sampling. They have the female vocalist sing all of the old-timey parts and some guy come in and do the bits, and it's incredibly charming and well done. They don't remix, they create. Or at least, primarily they do. Anyways, another thing that they've got going is strong French background, which, I mean, they are literally from France, so they should, but what I mean is that you can really hear it in their music. Groups like Parav Stellar have more of a American or vaguely Russian sound to them. When I listen to Caravan Palace, I'm immediately on a street outside of the Eiffel Tower, or in some cafe at midnight. It's a really strong presence, and while it's mostly personal preference, I think that aspect of their sound is as awesome as it is original. Now, as a reviewer, I think it's wrong to judge an artist's quality solely or primarily based on their past works, so I'm going to try to avoid doing that where possible for this review. However, as a fan, I absolutely am still going to compare this album to their prior albums. Plus, I've done it before, so there you have it. In all seriousness, though, I feel like it's important to give context regardless of quality, so that's what I'll do here. Caravan Palace has had two albums prior to this one, their 2008 eponymous debut and 2012's Panic. Both are stellar in their own right and just fantastic as electro swing albums. They also show a gradual deviation that continues with 2015's Robot. Their first album elicits a slower, more somber, but not sad feel. Almost twilight or dusk sounding, if you will. The main instrumentals on this album were brass and piano. It was like an evening show for a French jazz singer. Panic was much different in tone and feel, but kept hold of the sensibilities and craftsmanship that made Caravan Palace so good. In my opinion, it was a great refinement, but I have no real way to back that up, so take my word for it or don't. Panic featured a strong focus on nylon-string flamenco-style guitar. It was much more upbeat and had a warmer sound than the first album. This album sounded like a funky day show by a robot swing band in a Mickey Mouse cartoon, and I loved it immensely, partly because of the nostalgic connotation and partly because every song was gold. Which brings us to Robot, which is yet another major departure in sound. Thankfully, I can say that what made the first two albums great is still there. Fantastic craftsmanship, unique French influence, strong instrumentals, great songwriting, the works. Now the thing that might throw some Caravan fans off with this album is that the focus on electro as opposed to swing is flipped. Before it was mostly swing with a hint of electro. Now it's about equal with a slight lean towards electro. Not that this is a bad thing, but I personally like it a bit less. Robot still features the beautiful guitar work that made Panic a joy and it gets somber in the right places like on Caravan Palace. It's a nice combination of some of my favorite things about both albums, but it's not perfect. The heavier focus on the electro aspect mitigates some of the charm that both of these things had on their own. While I encourage experimenting with a formula to keep things fresh, you really shouldn't be putting latte mix in an Americano if you want the distilled sense of either drink. Regardless, it's not unenjoyable and the funky fresh charm is still there. 
I think with time, the new focus on Electro could be distilled into something very interesting and could help keep the band fresh. It just needs a little more work. Right now, it's kind of disjointed and lacks a real direction. I could see the band pulling it together into something nice, but it's going to have to be something for a future album. The overall feel of this album is another strong variation. The first album was Dusk, the second was Midday, and this one is a cool night. I think this was actually intentional, I wouldn't put it past Caravan Palace to play with this kind of theme, and it's the level of craftsmanship that I've come to expect from them. If that's the case, they've done it well. I distinctly get the image of a city cast in blue with scattered lights, mildly empty streets, and the occasional night band here and there. Certain tracks like Lay Down and Human Leather Shoes for Crocodile Dandies, don't ask, actually give off the image of a lurking figure in a dark alley, an almost cartoon-esque villain slinking along cloaked in black. It's gorgeous and foreboding and like I said, really well done. That's not to say the album is without its gaiety, as tracks like Tattoos and Aftermath have a nice warm and bouncy feel to them without disrupting the overall tone of the album. It comes together well at the end of the day, and while I would have liked the album to be somewhat closer to the band's roots, I can definitely say that I'm not disappointed. In fact, I was expecting this album to be somewhat of a letdown, and it really surprised me in that there was no real drop in quality or loss in style. I think longtime fans and new listeners alike should be able to enjoy it. The instrumentals and orchestration are fantastic, the vocals are gorgeous as always, and the core elements that make it Electro Swing aren't going anywhere. I would definitely recommend it to anyone that even vaguely likes Electro or Swing music. I'll certainly be enjoying it for a while. As a final note, I give this album a 5.5 on a scale of negative 2 to 7. It's not perfect, but for as huge of a departure as it is, at least in terms of composition and performance, it works well and retains a high standard of quality. Right now you can listen to it on Spotify or pick it up on Bandcamp or iTunes. Probably. I don't know. I didn't check. Just Google Caravan Palace Robot. You'll find it. As for me, that's all I've got for today's review. I've been Nick Weaver, though I'm also known as Lens, Klesk, Meerkat, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. Once again, you can send me recommendations for albums to review by emailing publicaffairs at wknc.org. It may take some time for me to get to, but I'll try to take a look as often as possible. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time. Good evening to you listeners out there. I'm Peter Swazeni bringing you the Community Calendar, and I on the Triangle segment informing you of cool and exciting events happening on campus or around the Raleigh-Durham area. So this week's lineup consists of a bunch of events centered on cats, internet memes, and mystery writing. So if you like any of those topics, you should listen closely. This Wednesday evening, Hunt Library will be hosting Margaret Marone with special guest Charlene Harris. These mystery writers will serve up a between-friends conversation at the Hunt Library in this special event. Marone, author of the beloved Deborah Knox series, is the author of 29 novels and two collections of short stories. A native Tar Heel, she lives on her family's farm a few miles southeast of Raleigh. She has received the North Carolina Award for Literature, the state's highest civilian honor. Charlene Harris is the New York Times best-selling author of the Southern Vampire Mysteries. The series, which features spirited barmaid Sookie Stackhouse and the cast of supernatural characters, took the reading public by storm and was used as the source material for the popular HBO drama series True Blood. Day Shift, the latest book in her Midnight Texas series, was published earlier this year. Books by both authors will be available on-site for purchase and signing 
provided by Quail Ridge Books and Music. This event will take place at the Duke Energy Hall at the James B. Hunt Library this Wednesday evening from 5.30 to 7.30. Hunt Library will be hosting another Coffee and Viz series this Friday at 9.30 in the morning and is titled Drawing on the Unexpected, How Biological Illustration is Greater than the Sum of Its Parts. This event will be led by Dr. Jennifer Landon. Dr. Landon, assistant professor in the Department of Biological Sciences at NC State, is a biologist, illustrator, and science educator. She will discuss the biological illustration as a form of visualization and the challenges in teaching students to observe, investigate, create, and share. This event will be held in the Teaching and Visualization Lab at the Hunt Library this Friday from 9.30 to 10.30 and is open to the public. AV Geeks will be having an event titled Pets this Friday from 6 to 7 in the evening. This event will dive into our understanding of what constitutes appropriate care for pets. From their diet to exercise to understanding their behavior, it has all changed over time. NC State alumnus and AV Geeks founder Skip Elshmere and Dr. Bernard Hansen, associate professor in the Department of Clinical Sciences at NC State's College of Veterinary Medicine, will screen a variety of educational and archival films that were created to help people learn how to care for their pets. This event is open to the public and can be found at the Commons Wall at the Hunt Library this Friday from 6 to 7. The Cameron Village Regional Library will be holding an event titled Track Your Cat this Sunday from 3 to 4. During this time, researchers from NC State and the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences will share some of their fascinating findings from their Cat Tracker Research Program, which uses GPS technology to collect data on where cats go, what they eat, and what microbes they bring back to their home. You will also learn how you and your feline pets can participate in the Cat Tracker program, which gives researchers valuable information about outdoor cats' movement, diet, and health. This event is open to the public. This program is part of the Creativity and Technology Symposium hosted by NCSU Libraries. And for tonight's finale, I bring you an event titled Image Macros, Memes, and Viral Content with Tumblr's Amanda Brennan. This event will be next Monday from 3 to 4 at the D.H. Hill Library. So this event will ask the question, what can memes and other viral phenomena tell us about our current events, cultural trends, and the Internet as a historical storytelling platform? Amanda Brennan of Tumblr's content and community team will discuss how beloved and instantly recognizable memes like lolcats relate to our online interactions and what they say about us as a society. Brennan is the former librarian in residence for Know Your Meme, organizing and cataloging the memes in their collection. So again, this event will be next Monday, October 26, from 3 to 4 at the Cameron Village Regional Library. This event is open to the public and is a part of the NCSU Library's Creativity and Technology Symposium. So this is the last event on this week's lineup. So I hope you enjoyed these events centered on internet memes, cats, and mystery writing. And if you know of any more, you can send them to publicaffairs at wknc.org. And with that concludes the community calendar. I'm Peter Swazeni, wishing you a great week ahead. Busy week in the Triangle. Mirtha, are you going to any of those events? I might. I mean, I actually took biological illustrations, Dr. Landon, and it was definitely one of the best classes I've taken in my three and a half years. It was really eye-opening, but Ian, are you going to go learn about lolcats? No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'd like to thank Saif Hassan, Jake Winters, Nick Weaver, Theon Tran, George T. Wilkerson, 
Saba Khan, and Peter Svizini for contributing. As always, if you've heard anything you've liked, you've hated, or anything that made you think, let us know and tweet us at WKNC underscore EOT, where you can also catch up on more local news. And be sure to check out our blog at blog.wknc.org, where you can also download our podcast. After Hours with L-Dub and Snooze is up next at 8, and you can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Ian Grice. And I'm Yartha Donisdorg.